Hey, this is Pastor Madison. I am so excited that you're tuning in today to the Crosspoint Podcast. My prayer is that this word inspires you, uplifts you, and enlightens you. You can connect with Movement Youth on Instagram at movement underscore youth or the Point College Ministry at the Point College. Let's jump into the message. We're gathered here tonight. To remember someone that we all love. He was a son, a brother. The community viewed him as the wrestler. He was a beloved friend. 1986, Clint was born to Scott and Laura Whitcomb. He grew up loving the New York Yankees, the Chicago Bulls, and the Detroit Lions. He spent his developmental years spending time playing football and baseball in the yard and shooting hoops in the driveway. As he transitioned into his teenage years, it became clear that wrestling would be the thing that he could excel at. And he became the first ever freshman to place at the state tournament. This transformed his focus, to begin living a lifestyle that he thought that everybody in the community, all of his friends, his teammates, his family himself, had put this pressure on to live up to expectations to continue the success. He began living a lifestyle that revolved around being a successful wrestler. He lived a great lifestyle. It revolved around having fun with friends, hunting, and being a successful wrestler. He fit in. He was well-liked. He was always the life of the party. His grades were surprisingly really good. His girlfriend, super hot. His family shared the same interests and got along very well. He died in the summer of 2004. The wrestler... Clint was dead. In case you don't know me and you haven't figured this out, don't freak out. I was not brought back from the dead. I'm not a cat and have several lives, and I'm certainly not a ghost. So let me explain. In 2004, something changed for me. It was a spring day, and I was escorted downstairs or called downstairs by my father. He says, I need you to sit down. I need to have a conversation with you. And as I watched him turn his back to me and began weeping and convulsing, I knew that my life would never, ever be the same based on whatever he was going to share with me. My mom was diagnosed with terminal cancer. The things that I thought mattered all of a sudden didn't anymore. My purpose was clouded. The wrestler didn't know what to do. See, my mom, she was my rock. She was honestly one of the most wonderful human beings I have ever come across. And I met a lot of wonderful people. She was my stabilizer when things were really tough especially during those wrestling seasons when we're cutting a little weight. 
should always have those things that I needed to hear and the tough love to keep going. I couldn't stand the idea of going through life without her, the thought that she might not be at my wedding, that she wouldn't be able to spoil her grandkids, that the human being that I called mom would only be a small part of my total existence. I was mad at my circumstances. I turned to the bottle and partying peddler, hoping I could drown it out, find some type of purpose, trying to turn to different things in the world. I was truly lost. The wind in my sails had stopped. I was going nowhere and nowhere fast. But let me tell you about the night that everything changed. It was in Chicago, and my mother-in-law cornered me. Well, that's a murder narrative, isn't it? Chicago, mother-in-law corners you, right? You'll get it someday. And here's what she said. She didn't say all these words, but here's what I heard that night. She said, Clint, your mom will die. Clint, you will die. And when you die, no one will care about all the records that you accomplished on the wrestling ring. Your family will likely give away or throw away most of your taxidermied animals and deer heads. The friends that you're so close to you will forget that you're even part of their life. The world will move on like you never, ever existed. And I knew I needed more. The problem was I didn't know what more was, and I later found out that more was Jesus. See, I wasn't finding my worth, my purpose, or any pleasure in things of this world anymore. Because what hope was there? Because before this night, I thought that things lived, and then they died and ceased to exist. But I learned that's not the case. Because when you die, you'll either exist in one of two places— with God in heaven or without him in hell. Because for the very first time, I was told about the true gospel message. This world that we live in, it was spoke into existence by a mighty and holy God. Everything that we enjoy, everything that we see was breathed into existence by a holy God mighty and powerful God, Yahweh. And he said, I like this thing I have created, but I don't want to be alone. So he created these things called human beings, and he made them in his image because he wanted to have fellowship with them. He wanted to say, enjoy what I have created. And for a time, he spent fellowship, time with God and his created human beings, Adam and Eve. But then they sinned, right? Sin entered the world. And God, being a holy and perfect God, cannot be near sin. He is holy and blameless, and thus the consequences of sinning in front of a holy God was the separation. They could not be allowed to be with a holy God anymore. So they're cast out of this paradise that God had created for them. Not only is the consequence of our sin being separated from God, it is death. Adam and Eve were created to be immortal, to live on forever. But the moment they sinned, 
they became mortals with a life expectancy just like you and I. Romans 6, 23 says that the consequences of sin is death. And we are separated by God because of our sin. So what my mother-in-law was telling me is, Clint, you're a sinner, just like Adam and Eve were. Now catch this next one. Those who do not live like they know God now will continue to live without him when they die. Let me say that one more time. Write it down. Those who do not live like they know God now will continue to live without him when they die. This time, however, you'll know that God was real because you'll be living separated from him, being tormented in a place called hell. And it is real. But Clint, she says, this is not what God wants for you. It's not what he wants for you guys sitting in this auditorium. That's not what he wants. He wants fellowship with each and every one of us. So for hundreds of years, thousands of years, God allowed a way that they could be forgiven of this sin. This is before Jesus. He allowed people to sacrifice lambs in exchange for the forgiveness of their sins. And the first step was acknowledging that God was truly what? That God was a mighty and merciful God, but yet he could strike you down at any point because of your wickedness. The second step was a confession Acknowledging the things that separate us from God, the things that are wrong, a confession, and then a repentance. Lord, I have been sinning here. Forgive me and turn from it. Turn from it. Repenting is turning away and stop doing what you've been doing. So thus, the lifestyle that you would live after you would sacrifice this lamb or sacrifice a pigeon or something if you didn't have money or a dove, was a lifestyle that would be holier than it was before, to be more like God and what he wanted you to live. But then God sent his son, Jesus, to be the final sacrifice for man's sin. God gave his son, his son for us. Remember this holy God, he still requires blood for forgiveness. He decided that his son would be that final blood sacrifice. Why would he do that? Because he still wanted to bring us into fellowship with him again someday. And God, what mercy that because of our wickedness and our sin, when it strikes us down now, he just take care of the sinful person that exists. What grace that when we ask for forgiveness, he says, as far as the west is the east, as far as your transgressions are concerned, they're gone. He forgets them. What grace that he'd forgive us of our transgressions. And what love that he would sacrifice his perfect, sinless, holy son. Romans 10, verse 9 through 10. You guys should be very familiar with this. We talk about this every single week. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and the mouth confesses and is saved. So when my mother-in-law explained this to me, I died. I mean, I was actually born, I was reborn. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, when you do this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone, 
and the new is here. The old Clint is gone when you make a decision to follow Jesus, and a new creation is reborn. The wrestler Clint was dead, and he began to live dead. I began to live like I was dead, dead to myself and alive in Christ. See, if the people that knew me before Christ in my life were here tonight, and they were to stand up and share the memories that they had about me, I think here are some of the things that they would have said about me from his friends. I remember when we used to party together. But then he started drinking less. Then he'd eventually show up less often, but then he wouldn't even drink. Then eventually, he stopped showing up to the parties. The wrestler, Clint, he was gone. We used to play video games for hours. Now he reads his Bible. Yuck. I remember he used to swear a lot. Now that I bring that up, I don't think he does that as much. Remember when he'd go in those little fits of rage where he'd lose his temper and just really get out of control? I don't think he does that anymore. The cute girls would have said, man, Clint doesn't flirt with us anymore. Man, remember when Clint hunted all the... Okay, I didn't change that. All right. The ones closest to me would have noticed that the one who had been so focused on living a lifestyle that revolved around wrestling, he started to go to church on Wednesdays along with Sundays. Thank you for being here, guys. He started participating at church. What a crack. He was in skits. He'd go to classes to learn more about this Jesus guy. Then he even started talking, running his big mouth. The wrestler Clint, he was kind of a bragger. I remember when he'd get on social media, he'd just post things to highlight himself. You know, look at what I got in the field today. Look what I did on the wrestling mat today. He doesn't even use social media anymore. How can we communicate with him? See, the Clint that people once knew began to erode away because I was a new creation in Christ. And I allowed him to begin domiciling himself inside of my body. So here's what Jesus told his disciples. Remember there's 12 disciples that were really close to Jesus? These guys gave up something for Jesus. The ones that are true followers, they're fishermen, there's a tax collector, the others were probably tradespeople. They left their livelihoods, everything they knew, to follow Jesus. I'm going to say something that you probably don't hear in church very often. Being a Christian is not easy. You catch that? Being a Christian is not easy. There's not anywhere in Scripture that says once you decide to follow Jesus, your life is automatically better. And I think sometimes we get persuaded or misled that that is the case. That's simply not true. It says in 2 Timothy, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be what? Say, will be what? This side's got it. Will be what? If you want to live a godly, Christ-centered life, you will be persecuted. We can't do it on our own strength. And what do I mean we can't do it? When we go through trials and tribulations, the really crummy things that life throws our way because of sin, the fallen world that entered because of Adam and Eve's sin, we can't do it on our own strength. And here's how Jesus tells us that we'll be able to get through these rough patches that we will go through in our lifetime. Some of you might even be faced with them right now. 
John 14, verses 15 through 18 states this. Jesus is talking to his disciples. If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you. What's this word? You guys sleeping over here? What's the word? Forever. He'll give you an advocate forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because they neither see him nor do they know him. But you know him, for he lives within you and he will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So what's Jesus saying here? First one's pretty straightforward. Keep my commands. If you love God, if you believe he's an almighty, powerful, and holy God, if he told you to do something in the Old Testament, then show that you love him and do that. Keep those commands. He says, here's the commands I have. Love your father and keep his commands. And the second is like this. Love others as much as you love yourself. Keep my commands. And be so thankful for his mercy and grace. It says that Jesus will give, he'll go to his father and say, give us another advocate. The spirit of truth. It's unseen, unknown to non-believers. It says he won't leave us as an orphan. Orphan is when your parents die and don't have a parent, it becomes an orphan. He says you'll never be alone because I'll send another advocate. The spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit lives in each and every one of you if you are a follower of Jesus. It is promised in Scripture. Once you accept Jesus as your heart, the Holy Spirit is ushered in. See, the hard part, though, when this happens is allowing the Holy Spirit to begin driving your life, to hand him the keys and to say, take over. Because sometimes it's hard because you hear all these different voices, right? Like changing the, state, the stereo, you change the stereo and you got different things. We just have to learn to tune in the frequency of the Holy Spirit so that that voice becomes the, the voice that is above our own. 2 Corinthians 12.10 That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. Listen, I hate it. For when I am weak, Why does Paul say that he delights in these moments that not one of us would look forward to being in? Because in these moments, he has to rely on the Holy Spirit's strength, not his own. Because he knows that when life is good, we don't need God. We got it figured out. We got a pretty good life. Girls like us. We're successful. You know, girls or boys like you, depending on if you're a boy or a girl. You know what I'm saying? If you're successful, your grades are good, whatever that thing is. We don't need God when we got everything figured out. So he delights in these moments when he has to rely on the Holy Spirit. That's where our true strength comes from. So how do we get through it? Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I'm sure some of you could use this in your memory. Do not be anxious by anything, but by prayer and petition. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, all comprehension, 
will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. When we are faced, again, when we are faced, when we are faced with tough things in our life, the Holy Spirit will give us a peace that human minds can't comprehend, can't understand. And that's how we have comfort. Some of these highlights that the peace of God that's come upon me in my life has been when I lost my mom. Here's a true fact. She did die. My dad's had three bouts with cancer. During one of these bouts, both his parents died of cancer. I had extremely close friends that throughout my Christian years have persecuted me. Others that I would call Christian persecuted me for my faith. Persecuted me for my, what they thought was lack of integrity, which is simply a lie. We had family feuds that were false claims that have come against me. Times in a real life situation was if I pass this exam to get my licensing, I still have a job. If I don't, when I click submit, I might be walking out of that exam room with no occupation. Having a son with a major medical issue. These times in life, there's no way to find peace if you lean on the world. But when you lean on the Holy Spirit, he's that stabilizer. Just like I told you my mom was for me in those rough times growing up. These situations, I had peace. No other explanation during these times that this peace came from above. They were not easy situations. But that's the gift. When we allow Jesus to take over our life, the Holy Spirit is ushered in. And every morning, we get to reopen that new gift that the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's an advocate for us. Now, I know each and every one of us has things that you're striving for. Some of us sophomores, juniors, seniors, maybe it's on your radar that you want to finish top 10 in your class. That's really important to you. Anybody play sports in the room? Show of hands. Yep, thought so. Maybe that sport, someday you'd like to make the podium in it, the state tournament, your team or yourself. Maybe you're trying to save money for that thing, that first vehicle, that really nice gaming system, whatever it may be. Maybe you're hoping to get into a specific college or university. You want to beat this certain game or get to a certain level of being a gamer. You want to make the honor band or be the first seat in the orchestra or in band. Maybe you have a long-term dream that you want to have a beautiful home with a wonderful spouse, awesome kids, and a good job. Those are all wonderful things to strive for. And often we strive to do this because once we get there, we think. Once we get there and we accomplish our dreams, we think we'll finally arrive. And we'll be completely happy and content once we get that thing accomplished and off our checklist. But let me tell you that there is nothing that will satisfy you more than someday hearing Jesus say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. We should be striving to hear these words from Jesus himself. And these other things that we strive for be secondary. That is living dead, living for Christ's sake, and putting our secondary goals to the side. Maybe you're currently living a lifestyle that orbits around that thing that you're striving for. Everything you do, every action you take, every thought you have, 
circles around this one thing that's really important. Maybe it's something that you've put on your own mind. Maybe it's something that your parents have put on your life. Maybe it's something that you feel the pressure of the world and you feel like this is what my life needs to orbit around to make these people, myself, my family, the world happy if I just do these things. You want the life? Some of you might see these Christian leaders and say, man, I like them. How do they live with such peace and such comfort, such a confidence in their, in their faith or such well-respected people? I want that life. I hope that's something that you want to strive for. If you want the life, you have to live the lifestyle. If you want the life, you have to live the lifestyle. Take a look at our good friends, Tyler Metcalf. He's not here today. Anybody not know Tyler? Show of hands. Don't show your hands. Everybody knows Tyler. He's the man. Everybody knows Job Houston. Where's Job? Hiding? Doing push-ups again? Yeah, he would. Crazy rascal. You remember seeing Job and Tyler. Those guys are fit. Man, I want that life. I want to look good in a swimsuit again. I want my clothes to actually button. Climb on buttons, not just a cool casual. I'm a little bigger than I thought I was. If you want the life, you have to be willing to adopt a different lifestyle. And those young men get up early in the morning, dedicated, and work out. Every decision they make throughout the day orbits around the fact that they want to live a healthy lifestyle. And seeing as I might just be a little too lazy for that lifestyle, boy, the life looks Living dead means to die to ourselves and live for Christ alone. I died in 2004 to myself, and I began living a lifestyle that orbited around honoring and pleasing God. It wasn't a, and I was perfect. I'm far from it. Any amens in the back? Yeah, that's my wife. Not super hot girlfriend. Still the same lady. your cards right, gents. Start early. My life began orbiting around whatever I do. The things I say, does it point back to Jesus? Does it point back to the one I love, who's given me mercy and grace beyond what I deserve? Do the things I listen to on the radio, do they honor God with the things that they're saying and singing and proclaiming amongst fans? What I'm doing with my significant other, my boyfriend or my girlfriend, maybe you're not even dating, is that pointing back to Jesus? The lifestyle we're living needs to begin orbiting around everything that we think, everything that we say, everything that we do should point back to the mercy that we get from God to the grace that we've received from him and the love that he's extended to us. Everything we do should orbit around that thing. And that is how you live a Christ-centered life, living dead. That everything we do rotates around him. Many of us have done that prayer of Romans 9, 10. We end every service with 
this is your first time here at church, you want to extend your hands and follow Jesus for the first time, or maybe come back right standing because you haven't been living your life, that's Romans 9.10. It's true. If you do this, you will be saved. But I'm afraid a lot of us are repeat offenders. You have any repeat offenders in the FBI world, Caden, right? They just keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. We call that what? Insanity. We can't do this prayer and say, that's my get out of hell for eternity card. And I'll just keep doing the same thing and expect to get out of hell when Jesus comes back, living the same lifestyle. The card comes handy in Monopoly. Truly giving your life to Jesus cannot be used in the same manner. You can't keep doing the same activity, living the same lifestyle that has put you on the path to hell in the first place and expect that prayer to get you out of eternity separated from Jesus. I know that I wasn't living a life at that point that was pleasing to God. And when we repent, we, the fact that you are acknowledging that God is God. He is who he is. It is telling God, making him your soundboard, Lord, here's my sins. Do it in your bedroom so no one else needs to hear it. Get a partner. Tell them, confess with them what your sins are. Confess, Lord, I have sinned. And repenting, Lord, forgive me, give me grace. And then turning from it. Don't say, I did this sin and forgive me, Lord, but I don't go do that sin the next day. It'll be hard to break habits. They are hard. And when I gave my life to Christ, it wasn't a light switch and everything was way different. It's a gradual process called sanctification. Every day, making a decision. to make decisions to orbit around my faith. But it points back to God. We need to be living a lifestyle that points back at the decision that you made to follow Christ. If you want the life, live the lifestyle. And if you do, I know you'd be glad that you did. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that you are who you say you are. That you are an almighty powerful and holy God. Lord, I come to you tonight and I thank you for the mercy that you've given me, that you've extended to me. I'm undeserving. Lord, thank you for forgiving me, for being a repeat offender of some of these sins that I've asked for forgiveness on. I keep coming back and asking for the same thing over and over. But Lord, I'm trying. Holy Spirit, come in my life and change me. Lord, I want the life. I want tonight to truly begin living the lifestyle that reflects the decision to follow you. I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight. I want everybody to keep your eyes closed. I'm okay for your heads bowed, but keep your eyes closed. But if that's you tonight, you've made the decision to follow Christ in the past, or maybe it's tonight, you truly acknowledge that God is God and he's holy, I want you to stand up. 
If that's you, you know that God is God, I want you to stand up. If you know that there's things in your life, don't be standing up just because other people are standing up. I want you to truly mean this. Eyes are closed. That tonight, inside your mind, you're confessing the things that you know do not please God. You're reeling them off right now on the list. God, forgive me of this. Forgive me of this too. God, oh my gosh, this list never ends. Lord, forgive me of these things. And tonight, you're believing. If you're not standing up yet, maybe you say, that's me. I'm going to confess it right now in my mind. But then you're standing, you're saying, I'm repenting. I'm truly repenting of this tonight. Tonight, I stand amongst my friends, my peers, the people I don't even know, and saying, I am turning from it. The things in your mind that you know are not right, that do not please or honor God, you're deciding, you're turning away from it. You're going to do everything in your power with the help of the Holy Spirit to stop doing it. And if you're not standing willing to live a lifestyle that points back to Christ, I want you to stand up. I want you guys to open your eyes. Look around you. There's a multitude of people that are saying today, saying, I acknowledge that God is God. That there's things in my life, I'm not great, I'm almost perfect, but there's things in my life that I need to get better at. And three, I'm repenting. I'm turning away from God, or turning away from his sins and beginning orbiting my lifestyle around him. Look at the people around you. You now have the authority to call them out. If they're not living the lifestyle that they're proclaiming right now, that they're going to be beginning to live. I don't care if you know them. If you say that they're doing something that's not good, walk by them and holler, hey, want the life? Live the lifestyle. Move on. If it's your best friend, walk up and smack him across the face. Don't do that. But Tom, come on, brother. You stood up. You made a decision of friends, your friends and your peers that you're going to follow Christ. We're doing it together. We're better together. You want the life, start living the lifestyle. I am far from perfect. So far from it. Of all the sinners gathered in this room today, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Because I know better. I've been studying this word. And I do some things I know are wrong. And I keep asking, God, help me stop doing these foolish, stupid things. But God sees I'm trying. I'm repenting and I'm turning from it. And I'm so proud that you guys are standing amongst this room, making a decision to follow Jesus, and then live that lifestyle. That's so awesome. For those that are making that decision, let's sing worship to God who is God and who He is. If you enjoyed today's message, I would encourage you to like it or share it on social media. Movement Youth for 6th through 12th graders meets on Wednesday nights, and the Point College Ministry meets on Sunday nights. We would love to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in.